Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Hello, and welcome back to Be Real, the after Thanksgiving episode. And we're back. It's me, Diana Gasparoni, with my beautiful co-host, Anisha Salisbury. I am back from actually having Thanksgiving with my family. So there's a lot to talk about today. (laughs) She did it, y'all. She did the thing. She got together with her family. I'm happy to report that each and every one of them, a lot of them, were tested prior and all came up negative before yes. and quarantined. So they were doing all the right things and making sure they were following all the protocols. We had a much smaller version <laughs> over here, um, but we did follow all the protocols and everybody made sure that they were negative. We had a very nice holiday. It was nice. So tell us about yours, ma'am. Well, I actually got on a flight first, right? Um, I went to sunny Florida. So I went to Florida because this is a tradition, right? And so, so many of our traditions have been broken, right? Because of COVID, this is one of them that we wanted to keep up. And I also feel like as a family and as people, we've been dealing with a lot of disappointment. And so we were like, okay, we're not going to be disappointed about the holiday. We're going to actually see each other because it's been so long. So um, we went to sunny Florida, all got on the plane. We had masks on and um, face shields. It was a lot of work, but... We all made it. Now, the thing is, my brother and his family, his three children, his wife, they've decided to become vegan. So this is the first thing (laughs) where half the family is vegan, half the family is not. So there was a couple of cook-offs who had the best vegan collard greens and then regular collard greens who had the best stuffing, which was vegan and I guess regular. And so that was pretty fun. Um, Actually, the vegan food was really good. I got to say, I was impressed. You know, I've dabbled. I've actually <laughs> more than dabbled. I spent years as a vegan. Uh, I am currently not. And um, in our house, every so often, one of us, it's not me, says, we're going to be vegan. Easy statement. <laughs> You're not the cook. <laughs> However, uh, yes, you can make beautiful, delicious vegan food for sure. And very I'll healthy. Just, very good for you. I will say this. I just want to put it out there. Vegan mac and cheese is a no no. Okay. That that was is not real cheese. It had panko bread. I was like, bro, what are you doing? This is not working. He actually had it and was like, I usually make it better, but I switched it up. You never switch up a recipe on Thanksgiving. 
That's a rule. You only cook what you know. And so no one really ate his mac and cheese, basically. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I I don't go by that rule because I like I I adventure in the kitchen. Like that's my place where I am the most creative. Every year I do the turkey a little bit different and I add a different side or I add a different appetizer. And this year, two things happened. One, I was uh, really doing the right thing and getting my turkey from a farm, making sure that I was keeping a small business alive. And she showed up the day before Thanksgiving. No, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, frozen. And I was like, what happened here? I got a, I got a farm farm fresh turkey. No, no. Doesn't sound fresh. No, 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 no. I got a farm frozen turkey. So I've never bought a frozen turkey before. So I instantly panicked and didn't know what to do. So I texted the woman who had been working with me to get the turkey. And I was like, yeah, my girl's here, but she's frozen solid. So what do I do? (laughs) So I spent all day Wednesday, like in the water, making sure that she frosted and like did the whole thing. And turns out I bought a pot pre covid that I didn't return that was too big that like she fit in. So that was good. And then I used a little shout out to Padma Lakshmi from Top Chef. I used her. Hi, monkey. I used her recipe, which I may have made the best turkey I've ever had. I can't lie. I soaked her First in buttermilk. What this recipe? First time. Soaked her in buttermilk. Look overnight. at you. I did some pepper, some, I can't remember everything that was in there. There was a little sugar, (laughs) little onions, like all sorts of stuff in there. Garlic, threw it all in there, soaked her overnight. And then I cooked her with oranges, apples, red onion, a couple other things, more garlic. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. She was good. I can't, can't lie. I might do that again. It was a lot of work though. Because Padma says to soak for 36 hours. And I was like, I got 12. <laughs> I got 12. This bitch maybe, is just, maybe a Cornish hen next time. Now. I don't know. Look, maybe a Cornish hen next time instead of a full-on turkey. Maybe. But then I repurposed and we had turkey pot pie yesterday, which I also <laughs> never made. There's all sorts of things. All sorts of things. I'm not responsible for the mac and cheese, though. Uh, someone brings it every year. And so... That friend was still at the table. He brought the mac and cheese. They say that you need at least five years experience and two references to make mac and cheese for Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> that's an amazing, <laughs> amazing. It's totally amazing. Yeah. I'm not allowed to make it. I have been told that I, there you go. Okay, I've never made it. And so it's like, don't bother. <laughs> No. Don't even try, don't even try it. <laughs> so Diana, we have to let everyone know we don't have a guest today. It's just me and you. It's just the two therapists talking just about the therapist stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is just the two of us talking about therapist stuff. Things, things that we talk about. Things, especially this time of year, right? We um, we have a lot of conversations around setting boundaries, um, taking care of yourself, when to say no, all the things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that has been yes. the theme of the weekend too, is all the things we do. All it's things. definitely a theme of our sessions with people around this time of the year, right? Well, I think it's, yeah, because it's really hard. I mean, even with, well, I would say more specifically with COVID, we saw at Thanksgiving and I know like we did 
it was all over social media. It's okay to stay home, know what to do, but it doesn't really address like the actual feeling when you're saying no to that person on the other side of zoom, I'm not coming. And you're actually sitting at home and you're making <laughs> like, even though I didn't feed, I mean, using, using myself as an example, like I normally feed at least 15 people for Thanksgiving and that's only because that's all I can fit in my house. I would feed 20, 25, but I didn't even know. I I ordered my turkey and then got home and was like, oh my God, I ordered a 28 pound turkey for four people. I had to call her. <laughs> it's just why Becky and I were really good friends on the text message. Cause I was like, yeah, I don't, I forgot. Like I, I can't have that. And Come to find out that's not even the normal size I order. I just got overzealous because uh, it wouldn't have fit in my <laughs> oven. But still, like you didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know when to say no. I was like, oh, I'm just going to do everything, right? Like even though I didn't have to do any of it. So boundaries is about setting limits, right? And I feel like we've been setting limits all year. <laughs> and we've been in some ways restricting ourselves all year. So it felt like for me personally, I didn't want to restrict myself in yet another way. I didn't want to set another limit of not seeing someone, right? Because if you think about it, it's been eight months. Um, I had a birthday during COVID. You had a birthday during COVID. Like we didn't get to see friends and all the things that you would normally do. So I felt like this was the chance for me kind of not to set that limit around seeing my family. But there was a lot of rules that had to be in place, right? In order for us to do it. And I had to set the limit with everyone very firmly that if you don't have the test, then you can't come. And that was right. difficult, right? Because people were like, the lines weren't from New York, guys. And the lines were super long, right? I sit outside for three hours in the cold to get my test. But you have to be a person of your word. This is what we decided on as a family. So this is what everyone had to do. But that was also difficult, right? Having those conversations like, hey, did you get your test? Oh, if you didn't. So when are you planning on going? Like, and do I need to ask to see the negative test or can I just trust that you did it and it's negative, right? Mm -hmm. That's a hard conversation to have. It's not always very comfortable, but um, right. that and was the boundary. And non-negotiables are really hard, right? Like the, yes. this isn't one of those ones where we could be like, where's <laughs> the gray? Like, let's, let's shoot for the gray area where we compromise. Like the compromise is that we all get to see each other if we all follow this this rule and this rule right. is going to be in place for the for a little bit longer. <laughs> um, yeah, we got Christmas, <laughs> we got New Year's, we got some big ones coming up. And the urge, right? Like we also have this urge to see each other, right? It's a desire. It's a we're gonna with each holiday, with each with each event that we pass or that we move through, we also have the memory and the muscle memory in the body and the emotional memory of like having been with our family, no matter or having been with our loved ones or having been with our friends and like having that memory and that anniversary is also going to like propel us to want to move past the boundaries that we set for ourselves. And I think that's, that's where the, like the real work comes in. Like how do we negotiate with ourselves? Yeah. Right. Cause that's what we're doing. <laughs> and what's the feeling? Like it's a, it's a real feeling. Um, what I notice is we have to be very self-aware Mm -hmm. Right. And kind of be self-aware around what you need. Right. Because we're talking about desires, but also like needs. If I have been in my home for the past six months and I live alone, maybe I need to see someone now. So maybe if I get that invitation, it feels very different. I'm going to want to accept that invitation. 
So then maybe I have to have all of these limits around if we're going to meet, but I need it in a different way, right? So being really self-aware right now around what you need and what you want is going to be really important for the holidays. Right. And then also where you're comfortable, because then what you need and what you want, and you might want to be with all these people, and then you Mm -hmm. realize that you're not comfortable being in that situation. A very good friend of mine who I really wanted to see on Thanksgiving was very clear with me that she wasn't comfortable with the number of people. So she wasn't going to come. And then I had to, you know, I had my own disappointment, but also had to respect that. And then the therapist in me, because she can't help herself. (laughs) Like if in fact you change your mind or something changes or it's 90 degrees and we can eat outside, um, (laughs) please don't hesitate uh, and we'll do everything we can to accommodate you and make you feel comfortable. But she knew where she was going to be comfortable. So that was also a back and forth, right? Like I wanted her here. That was my desire. And then I respected her boundary, which at the same time, made me want to push it a little bit. So there's, there's that. And what is it like asserting your thoughts, your feelings, and your needs to others when you don't generally do that? But in a situation like COVID, right, and the anxiety that it induces, you have to do that now. Like, I have to tell someone no. I then have to explain why. And then, you know, I have to hear what they have to say. And it might be kind of a back and forth when you might just want to not answer your phone. <laughs> right, like, right. not deal with it you might want to hide from it that's true and then well I think there's two important things that you brought up right there's one there's the actual stepping up to the feeling and saying no right mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable the answer is no and that you know that when you say no you're going to be disappointing somebody on the other side and that's okay yeah it's disappointment people disappoint people like we're just human like we can't we can't meet each other's needs a hundred percent of the time. It's just not, it's just, it just doesn't happen. But that in that disappointment, that person has enough ego strength. I did it. I went there. (laughs) Ego strength to to be able to tolerate it and also have enough history in the relationship and in the friendship, whatever, you know, wherever the familial friendship, even it could have even been a romantic partner that they can hold on to what is the strength of the relationship where it is and know that the no is because the person is protecting themselves. And then the second part of what you said is explaining. I think there's also like, (laughs) there's two, well, there's two parts to that. Cause a lot of times you don't have to explain it. Your no can just be it. Like you. Yeah. It's a complete sentence. It is a complete sentence. And we, it is definitely a complete sentence. (laughs) You do not have to defend it. Like you don't have to defend your no. And that may be really, really challenging at first right? Like, you're like, you say no, and you hear yourself say it for the first time. And you're like, oh, shit, wait. But I didn't like, I, I meant like, it's okay. Like, are you okay? Like, I just can't do this for me. Right? Like, it's just for me. It's, it, and then it gets to be like, it's for me. It's not you like that sort of thing. And then it gets like all watered down and whatever. But like, <laughs> so the no is the no. And it takes for a lot of people, not for everybody, for sure. But for a lot of people, it takes some practice and you want to feel the feeling, like internally, the physical feeling of what it feels like to say no, because it may be a whole new experience for you. Yeah. A lot of us are used to saying yes. And that comes with a lot of guilt and resentment sometimes after we say yes, knowing that we didn't want to do it. Like we just didn't want to do it, but we said yes, because we didn't want to hurt someone else. So what is it like to then actually say no 
and to, and like you said, possibly hurt that person and have to deal with what that feels like for you and possibly for the other person. And I think we catastrophize sometimes because I don't think it's really that bad. The other person is not that upset, but we always go worst case scenario. It, I'm, I talk to my clients. I'm like, no one does best case scenario ever. Like it's always like worst case scenario. My goodness. Right. What if they just say, okay. They might say, okay. And also they might be relieved that somebody has said the yes. because I think that that's an important part of relationships that we also don't talk about. And that you may be in a friendship again, and it picked the relationship, but that if you set a boundary, that person is so relieved that they don't have to do more or put themselves like it didn't have the capability of creating the boundary for themselves. And then you created it for them. And in turn, that strengthens the relationship, even though there's like a weird, conf- like internal conflict for the two of you, if you're, do- if you're just doing it for the first time, right? You're like, okay, okay I'm doing it. I'm going in. Nope. <laughs> and then the person is like, what? Did you say no to me? And then you're the other person is the person that got said no to is like, like, because they've created like sometimes relationships have created this like imbalance, and then you get like the no balances it out. That's interesting, right? It balances it out. I I know that when I was younger, it took me. I would really say years in therapy to be able to say no to my family. I'm one of seven kids. I don't I don't know what no is. I think I've been conditioned for us to take care of each other in some way, shape, or form. And so when I was in therapy, we went over it and over it and over it and over it. And so I was actually able to do it. And I got to tell you, they didn't like it. <laughs> so we have to talk about that part. People don't like to hear no. And I didn't have the courage at that point when I was younger to just be okay with it, I would say, well, my therapist said, <laughs> and Which that would be my way of getting out of it. <laughs> right. But I think that's also the, very, it's the hands down a perfect example of borrowing. I mean, I say this in treatment. <laughs> so my patients, he's like, okay, just say no. And they're like, I, I can't. So, okay, well just go, what would Diana do? Even though I may not. Right. But it's borrowing from the room to the context to be like, oh, I'm not saying no. Diana's saying no. She told me to say no. I'm saying no to you people. I just want to see, I want to see what it feels like. <laughs> and you're changing. And then if you change, people don't necessarily, they may have not signed up for your change. They just like, no. no. But the relationship is important enough that they will listen. I mean, I think that that's what I, I've seen you with your family. So I know that that's what happened with <laughs> family, right? Like in the relation, you as a part of that nucleus, that group, right? It was important for them as a group to be able to hear your no, because it's very important for them to be together. It also, I think was a sign of me in some way growing up and letting people know, like, this is the adult me now, right? Like I might be your younger sister, um, but I'm not not a kid anymore. Right. Like, so it was also a way it was kind of like my coming out party. Like I'm an adult, I'm a young adult. Like I need to be treated as such. Right. And so because of that, I don't have to go along with what everyone says anymore. I can just say no. But at that point, like I just, I wasn't ready. And so I had to borrow from my therapist. And now my clients do the same thing. They always do the same thing. Diana. like, what would any should do? And when they yeah. say it to me in session is the funniest thing. And I'm like, so what would I do then? <laughs> and yeah. what did and you do? Like, 
what would I do? What would you do? But I think my therapist says is an excellent way for you to start to build a boundary. Mm -hmm. Like my therapist says, I, this is what I'm going to do. That's best for me. And then there's like another person that you brought into the room. And I remember when I used to be in group and um, I would go to do, um, yeah, do something. And my group would say, bring us with you. I was like, Oh, I like that. What do you mean? Like, (laughs) just bring us with you. Bring us with you. We're going to be like, they weren't there, obviously. But then like, I would have my own cheering section wherever I went. (laughs) And no one knew. (laughs) No one knew. Like the, the people behind me that you couldn't see. But I think that those types of interventions are really important when we think about how to build a new part of our character when we're changing parts of ourselves that when we have a map I'm going to use the language again when we have a maladaptive pattern that's no longer working something that like we created as a result of whatever was happening in our family of origin to not to no one's blame and then we transfer it into the real world and it we're like oh oh wait a second this this little number <laughs> this little dance step <laughs> is it really going to work in order for me to get my needs met or get what i want so as we become adults and we have more language around what we need and what we want using that strength from other characters in your play so to speak uh really help you to get to the other side you don't have to use it forever it's like a transitional object yeah Right. When you a transitional object note to note to listeners is the, is, the, is maybe like the teddy bear you brought out of the crib and carried around with you for a year until you could let it go because you felt strong enough to let it go. Little note. So <laughs> we take we use transitional objects our whole ev- through every transition in our lives, whether we're conscious of them or not. So then the question is, when is saying no not good for your mental health then? What do you think about that? Um, I think for me, the first thing that comes up is when I talk to people who are depressed, because I feel like it just gives them another reason to isolate, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And uh, just another reason to kind of be in that cocoon that keeps them sad, that they don't have to deal with people. So they just are able to just kind of say no. They don't answer texts. They don't go to events. They don't do anything. And all in the name of boundaries, but also is because I'm really depressed. I don't want anyone to see it. And so this is how I isolate from others. Right. I guess it's the, it's an opposite behavior, right? Like the yes people, (laughs) you and I, (laughs) like the, the reformed yes people, it would be that feeling of saying no and stepping into your, really stepping into your power or stepping into your strength. And then for the people who are the no people, then it's the same saying yes is almost the same courage, which you need, right? Like I need to step out and to almost force myself to be around people and experience, have the experience and see what it's like. And even if I know I'm going to, like I've convinced myself I'm going to hate it, I have to try it. Just like you tried Brussels sprouts when you were four and <laughs> them out and you put them back in and realize they were really good for you it's like the same thing like being around people human we need human contact just who we are as as beings yeah you know i see a lot of people who you know they come to therapy and we talk through things and maybe we'll say well why don't we try this or what if you try this and it's like no and you should no and i think a lot of it is so much fear 
about what it would mean to do that activity or that thing, right? Because I think in some ways the fear is what if I like it? (laughs) Then I have to continue (laughs) to do do it, it right? And I can't go, yeah, I have to do it again. And I can't go back to this person that I was that I'm so wedded to, right? Like this has been my narrative. This is who I am. I don't, like for my people, like I don't like people, Anisha. Do you really not like people, you know? Like, or is that something that you've told yourself, right? But you say no to everything because you don't see people, you're not around people. But what happens if you actually do like people? So I think that it has a lot to do with fear. And then I think trust comes in there somewhere, right? Because there's yeah. there's a lack of trust, right. which you is why to, they normally say no. They, you have to trust the other, right? The, mm-hmm. first, the other people around you and you have to trust yourself, right? So what's the mirror that you're showing yourself of who you may be when you're in out in public? Like what, what is the fear? Like you fear that there's like food in your teeth and I'm making life <laughs> of it, right. But yeah. like, because the feeling of being, I often find that there's like a internalized feeling that they're, that they don't want to touch. So it could be a feeling of humiliation, which may possibly be one of the worst feelings in the world. And if they, go out into the world and something happens and they get made fun of, then that's it. Done, done, done. And done, done, done. Like we're going back in and you and I are starting with that person from scratch again. Yeah. Because we've, we've made that horrible suggestion that they go outside (laughs) and it feels like a horrible, it feels horrible. Like it feels horrible for a long time. So how do you, how do you then rebuild that strength to try again? Right. And it takes it does take a lot of work for sure. There's also that rejection piece. Right. The fear of that, too, is is huge. And I think that people don't realize that rejection is not as bad as we think it is. And it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like, because I think when people think about rejection, I think it's more about someone rejecting who I am. Right. Like altogether, my thoughts, my feelings, everything about me, someone not liking that. Um, and maybe it's just that you and that person is just not a good fit. There's nothing really wrong with you. We're just, you know, no, we're not a good fit as friends, as a, as a, a intimate partnership, whatever it is, whatever you're just not a good fit job, for me. Job, right. Everything. Yeah. It's not, not a good fit. Um, and at sometimes it could be a blessing, right? You're like, Ooh, dodge yes. that bullet. <laughs> How many times have we dodged a bullet out here? I know. <laughs> Didn't know it so until later. Many. And I think. I know uh, I read this article years ago. I mean, I've read it a couple of times and Freud wrote an article on uh, morning and melancholia and I'm not going to get into the depths of that because it's just too deep, but Mm -hmm. there is the morning period, like a grief, a morning, and then there's melancholia. Melancholia is depression and it's really, it's so challenging. And what I, the way that I described melancholia, when I read it so that I would really understand it. It's like gum at the bottom of your shoe. Ever try to get gum off the bottom of your shoe? Like it's just can't. You can't, (laughs) right? But you pull it and then it snaps right back, right? So like you can kind of get it off and like you kind of get out there for a little bit and then you're like, whoop, boom. This is way better back here at the bottom of the shoe than it is out here in the world. So it takes like, if you think about all the different, like as you're digging it out, and mm-hmm. how long that takes, like that's how many times if you are suffering with depression that it may actually take to break free of that feeling. Yeah. And so like, there's like a, 
like a visual of it. Like then you bring it, then you take the shoe and you bring it to the sink and then you're like getting the thing and you're like scrubbing the bottom <laughs> of the shoe. Right. Cause you got like treads on your shoes and it's in there, that gum. And you're like, you're doing it again. You're doing it again. And then like you walk around with it on the bottom of your shoe for a little bit. You realize it's still there. There's still a little residue. And then one day you're like, somebody's going to see the bottom of my shoe. I got to get that out. So I think that we have to give ourselves also more, more kindness when we're working through moving away from a state of being and moving into something that hopefully is more joyful, but definitely more um, allows us for more experiences and saying yes is allows you to have more experiences. It also allows you to overcommit and be stressed, right? Like it could go either way. (laughs) That's the beauty of it. Right. It's like that it's, but in both cases, right? Like, as we're saying, there's like, there's the yes people and then there's mm-hmm. the no people and then yeah. the yes people learn how to say no. And then they get so good at it. And then it's like, <laughs> Oh no, 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 no. Now we can, we can say yes again. <laughs> and the no people start to say yes. And then like, then we have to like retrain them to, or retrain each other ourselves to say no again. Right. And I think that in, in talking about that, then the feelings again become so visceral, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you start to trust the feeling in your body. Like you can always, sometimes you just like, you get like a little, a little queasy or something. If you're doing it, it was, it was like, if it does, you're like mm, this one doesn't feel so good. <laughs> and then you want to check in and be like, how come? Like, what is it? Am I overextending? What is it? Am I, should this be the time? Should I be getting out of bed now? going out. It's interesting because I think with the the yes people, sometimes they have a fear of missing out. All right. So I think one thing is you have a fear of missing out, but also it allows you to push yourself, right. And puts you in places and spaces that maybe you would have never been in if you didn't say yes. Right. So it, it it allows your world to become so much larger because there's so much more that you can do. Um, But I do think that there are sometimes that people tend to just kind of overcommit, right? They just say yes, 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 yes to everything. And then they look up and then there's no time for them and they're lost in all of it. And, you know, there's no kind of self-care. Right. And I, in the FOMO, I'll never forget when I learned that, <laughs> what it meant. There was like a 16 year old in my office. And she was like, I have FOMO. I was like, oh no, I don't. I'm, is that a diagnosis or something? Like, like that's not in our book. Hold on. <laughs> Never heard that one, in school. that one. So, but with the, with the fear of missing out and the overcommitting, I think that's where, that's where we start to examine the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like what, what is the impulse to say yes? Right. Like what is, what, are, what actually are you going to miss out on? Like tomorrow night you can go out or like, what is the thing that is so important that you you have to be seen there or you have to, you have to chase it. Are you chasing a feeling? It's complicated. I think that that, I mean, anxiety most specifically is very complicated because it's, it's such a catch hold of feelings. It's like a, another analogy. <laughs> think of it as like, <laughs> all the things I use in the room. Um, I think of it as like a lobster trap. I ever see a lobster trap coming out. Of the mm-hmm. Yeah. Lobsters are like sticking out and they like want to get out but they don't, they can't. And they're like, what the hell just happened? Like, why am I out of the water? Why are all my friends here with me? (laughs) 
like we were just chilling. Um, but that's what anxiety is like. Like, it's just like a, a rupture of feelings that go back and forth and back and forth. And we can't like make sense of them. And it becomes all our thoughts become jumbled and anxious. Did you like that one? That I, like <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. Because, I mean, I think that coming back to this time of the year, when I went, we're gonna, I want to go back to the boundaries and holiday for a second. Because I thought about um, just kind of setting those limits and being specific around what you will and won't talk about. Like I've had clients recently, I've been talking to them and like, hey, can you... If you're going to be with family or friends and you don't want to talk about the fact that you're 35 years old and you don't have children, right? Or the fact that you lost a job and you don't have a new one yet. Can you be specific with people and have that conversation around, hey, this is off limits. I don't want to discuss this thing, right? And it hopes that people will kind of respect your decision. So you don't have to wait until you get there and it all comes up. And the reason I thought about this when you were talking about anxiety and how much anxiety comes up when you don't know it's going to bring up something that is triggering for you. And if you don't talk about it and let them know that it's triggering, they have no idea and that anxiety that you feel. And so I had a lot of clients and that was a lot of our conversations before um, Thanksgiving. And, you know, as we continue into Christmas around kind of setting those limits and being specific with people so that anxiety doesn't have to show up. You can just kind of talk about the things that you're not willing to talk about. Um, again, I'm joking, but I just had a wonderful image of your clients like showing up with like handing out, like these will be the topic. These are the topics that are off the table. Don't even try it until 2021. I've had enough with 2020. So if you want to talk about this, you can go over there and talk about it. That's cool. Leave me out. <laughs> like I'm like it's a t-shirt really with a checklist. Like we will not be talking about this, like with the things on the front and then on the back. Um, yeah, but that's a very good point. There are these are things that happen when we're with people that we're the most comfortable with. They feel and yeah, pu- there's there's a lot of that. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I ask, I ask questions when maybe I, I should start, like when I'm not working, right? They're just like questions for the people around me. But that's what we do. Like Diane, I've, I've already figured it out. I don't feel bad about it. Like I interview people when I shouldn't be interviewing them, but I, I care. I want to know more about their life. I think that that's a part of who we are, that we want to know more about people's lives. And it may not be to help or any, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, I don't know. There's this it's, curiosity now. That's what we do, right? Like we're curious true. people. So we ask questions and everyone doesn't know how to say like, oh yeah, no, I'm not talking about that. Right? Well, we like also, that's right, off limits. When we ask questions, what's interesting too, we also, <laughs> everybody we're in the room with also knows we're a therapist. So there's got to be that right. boundary too, that they know that they don't have to answer the question just because we said so, just because we asked. I mean, I think that that's important and that's for our therapists who listen to like give the disclaimer that- <laughs> Just because I'm here having turkey with y'all and I ask a question doesn't mean I'm on the clock. You can tell me no. <laughs> but also, too, your patients can tell you no. I think that that's important, too. I often give, I often ask um, in the room if they, un, the person understands that they, like, what it's going to feel like to not, it's, it's also like a no. Like, you don't have to, ask, you know, you don't have to answer the questions. You can answer the question with a question. I don't think that my clients know that. <laughs> I think that they think that they have 
They have. Well, most of us but do. I, um, I mean, I think you have to learn that. I think um, I know that I learned it and it was really kind of fascinating. But like if you, it's almost like giving them a, like, I'm going to give you some mini supervision and I'm going to help you ask a question with a question. And they're like, why would I do that? And I was like, see how you feel when you do it. Kind of amazing. <laughs> how come you don't have kids yet? I don't know. How come, how come you're here? <laughs> like whatever the thing is, like, why is the sky blue? Like anything is like, oh. Like, I can't, like, it's a question you can't answer, right? Like, I don't have an answer for that. Like, it's interesting. And you just got to be okay with it. Mm -hmm. Something I'm working through, right? It doesn't have to be, because I don't think when, I think that questions like that are intended as loving and curious. Mm -hmm, Of course. And supportive. They land as shame. Mm. Right. Cause you can think I'm just trying to be supportive and I don't want to act like the thing is not happening. Right. It's kind of like, they feel like the person asking the question might feel like it's an elephant in the room and they want to be supportive. So they want to ask. I remember when I graduated from college and my mom would like knock on my door, like every day and ask me, did I have a job yet? And I was like, what? Like lady, <laughs> this is, okay. So let me, let me just go back to, this is when we were using fax machines. Okay. Mom, I've been faxing resumes all day. <laughs> When I get a job, you'll be the first person to know that I have a job, okay? But I think she was trying to be supportive, right? Like she had a recent grad and she's just like checking in and checking in and checking in. And I was like, enough. I'll let you know when it happens. So I think that us wanting to be supportive. You know, you can check the fax machine every morning (laughs) and let me know. How about that? Why don't we do it this way? You check. See if somebody is faxed over (laughs) and I can come over and interview. But it's it's... It's joining in like getting everybody involved in the question, you know, mm-hmm. or like, or even like, why, <laughs> why do you think I don't have kids? Like nobody's ever going to answer that question. So it's like, or you have to be careful who you ask that, that question to, because sometimes you might get an answer that you don't actually want to know. Um, but really finding a way, because in the question with a question, you're protecting yourself. Cause that, like I said, sometimes questions are aggressive without meaning to be. Mm. Yes. And in that aggression, you feel, you just feel shame and it's not intended, right? Like some things are just out of our hands. You have, we all have ideas and thoughts about what our lives would look like or should look like. Um, and when we do that, we like, I mean, that's life. And mm-hmm. then um, sometimes we don't, you know, we don't hit our milestone when we think we're going to hit our milestone. And it takes a while to really accept ourselves in relationship to the rest of the way that we th- we have like fixed in our head the society thinks we're supposed to be, even though that's not actually true either. <laughs> like, so like you have to make your own truth. Like there's, there's a lot that happens in there that and all of it seems to come up most specifically from November 15th to January 15th. <laughs> it's like heightened. <laughs> um, right. Because the holidays is joyous for some and difficult and sad for others, right? Like some people are doing a lot of grieving during the holidays of someone that they lost, right? Other mm-hmm. people, it's a really happy time, right? And so you figuring out what it represents for you and what you want to do about it, right? Is really what it comes down to. So for some of my clients, I'm like, well, do you want to just cancel the holiday? Like, do you want to just skip it? Like, do you just really need time alone right now? right? Like being around people is not going to be helpful for you. Let's talk about what that would look like, what that would feel like if you made that decision. And then we can talk about what it would feel like and look like if you made the other decision to kind of celebrate, you know? I think giving people options 
And sometimes we don't know that we have options. So like when we come to therapy, we have that other voice, right? And that other voice sometimes gives us the option. We could do this or we could do that. Like there's a, there's a host of things that we could do. And they always say, oh, I didn't even realize that. Oh yeah, you could just cancel it all. <laughs> like totally. that's your decision. Yeah, you can cancel it. It's not real. It's just, yeah. like, you can make it. I mean- <laughs> They don't fall on the same day. Like, yes, they fall on the same calendar day, but it's like a different time. The world is turned, like the earth is rolled around a couple of times since the last holiday. Like you can make it up. You want Thanksgiving to be a different day, a different time. Um, Sure. Pick a day. I mean, we didn't, I didn't get to see my parents. My mother would like to have it in July. Like, okay, I'm I'm not cooking a turkey in July. Too damn hot. But sure. Let's talk about it. Cause it's really just a gathering. Like this is all really like the holidays is really a gathering. That's it. It's just, it gives us a reason to gather, right? When sometimes we don't feel like we have one when actually we can always have a reason to gather just because we want to can be enough. But you know, it's something about the holidays is nostalgic. All of these feelings come up for people, right? It's tradition, but we can make new traditions, right? And so for some of us who couldn't see each other this Thanksgiving, if June rolls around, and we can be outdoors and we can have a gathering and get together. You can call it whatever you want. Right. I mean, and we were bombarded by all of the stuff, right? Like you turn all the TV, media, all the media. <laughs> um, I can't tell you how many Christmas movies I watched on Netflix so far. Plenty, plenty, <laughs> plenty. And each one ends up, she's a princess. Never. Of course. Queen. She's a princess. She ends up with a prince. <laughs> and then like, but I can't get enough. I love them all. And there's that feeling in the air, in your mind, and like you have the traditional things, but like you can do all that stuff. Like if it was up to me, I would live my Christmas tree out forever. It's not, <laughs> totally not up to me. And I get, you know, like we found out with the turkey, like I get overzealous. I get overexcited. I mean, we had the 14 foot Christmas tree year. I'll tell you, I'll let, I'll let it out. I'll tell the story. It's a good one. We moved here. We moved into this apartment three years ago, and I wanted to surprise him with a tree. We mm-hmm. have fourteen foot ceilings, and I went out on a Sunday while he was out and had it delivered home, and didn't realize that when the tree opened, like when we cut it open, it was actually going to get bigger, huge. And then it started to open, and I was like. And it like the whole time walking over, I didn't go clickety click, click, click in the brain that like live trees. You never know. Three guys. They have them bound so tight. They they have them bound so tight. You have no idea when when it opens. But it took three guys to carry the tree home. (laughs) Now I personally have carried every tree home since I lived on my own. Right. Like, so I was like, huh? Nope. Click, 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 click. Didn't happen. A friend of mine was in the loft holding the top of the tree and then downstairs. <laughs> and I was like watching it open and open and open. And then I couldn't see my living room, my dining room and my kitchen the next morning. So I had to do some recon and I had to have them come back, get it, take it back. And then he went and got me a smaller tree. And I'm now not allowed to go by myself. Because no, of course I get not. O- I get overzealous, which is the real reason why we can't have a Christmas tree all year round. Because <laughs> <I would> <laughs> my sister was like, did you check for birds <laughs> and squirrels? I was like, okay. We were like, we're looking for the thing. Anyway, so there's a boundary around Christmas in my house now on the side. <laughs> 
parts of the tree. But that all stems from anxiety for me to make like this perfect Christmas in our new home and not thinking that like, even it doesn't matter. Like we don't even have to have a tree to have that feeling. We don't have to have it. We're going to like, we're going to have a tree, yo. Just make sure that that's going to happen. But we don't technically have to have the tree to have the feeling. And I think that that's the interesting thing, right? You don't have to have it, but you feel like you have to have it, right? Again, it's about the feeling. Mm-hmm. I left my Christmas tree up for seven months before. Because my sister was like, you wouldn't do it. I was like, I'll do it because I like the way it makes me feel. I like to turn the lights on. Right at night, I turn them on when I go into the kitchen in the middle of the night, the lights are on. Like, I love it. I want to keep it up. And I don't care if people are telling me it's no longer Christmas. You know, you should have your tree down by like January 2nd or whatever the day is. You can sing Jingle Bells in the middle of April. Who cares? I left it up until like July and my family came over and they could not believe that my tree was still up. Did they bring? I was like, yeah. every time they came over, <laughs> did they bring again? No, they just kept saying, like, are you serious? Like, you don't have this down yet. Because it was my choice. I know, like th- it was just one of those things. But again, the boundaries around like, well, for me, it was like, we're not talking about this anymore. It's my house, it's my tree. And that's that. <laughs> and I'm keeping it. Well, up. <laughs> curiously, I did, and I told you that I put uh put up a quick blog post on the Be Well site about five things that you could do to feel better this holiday season if you didn't, if things weren't, if you didn't feel great, right? Like yeah. you, needed to, you wanted to get out of your slump. One of them was about Christmas lights because of that very feeling of the dim lights in your house and what it, and how it shifts your mood and calms you down. Like there's a calming factor. Like it's the real thing. It's not fake. Not just not just you. Like it does actually bring people into like it calms and soothes them. So that's true. My other thing was to sing. I'm a terrible oh. singer. However, I do like singing Christmas carols so I'm alone. Sometimes even when I'm not alone. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, we all know that I just read more. Listen to Mariah Carey's new book because I keep talking about it because I wanted mm-hmm. to listen to the podcast and come talk about how therapy saved her life. That being said, a little another plug for Mariah. Her Christmas song is becoming number one again early this year. However, singing also uh, increases your endorphins. Wow, I didn't Serotonin. realize that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be good at it. Just do it. That's it. Just do it. Here it is. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Holiday season, boundaries, just do it. There it is. As we could say, holiday season, so, boundaries, just do just it. Just do it. <laughs> Practice. <laughs> there, okay, so let's let's have a sum it up. So okay. if you're if you're the yes person, mm-hmm. practice saying no. Yes. See what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, experiment, and then just see. Just keep practicing. If you're the no person, practicing yes. See what it feels like. You can come back home anytime. Anxiety. <laughs> no, <laughs> the anxiety person. Just sort of notice when you're overdoing it. Because you're running away from the feeling, right? So we're trying to figure out what the feeling is. And then overall, you know, we hope it's good. Like, it's okay not to be okay, but we want it to be okay. Yeah. Be self-aware. Check in with yourself. Like, if you're going to go home for the holidays, check in before you go around what you need. When you get there, check in. If anything has changed, if you need the same thing, you know. And I think 
know that your family will love you regardless, right? Yes. Whatever that, whatever you need from them, just ask for it. All they could do is say no, but they just might say yes. And they just might be okay with the thing that you need. The holidays could be a lot of fun. Yeah. It, it can be you on your knees and you get yeah, the opportunity. It could be amazing time. The opportunity this year to make some new traditions that may be better for you than the ones that were there before, which is awesome. So think about it and let us know. I think I want to hear from people. I want people to let us know what they did that was new and interesting for them this holiday season. Like where did they, where did they experiment saying no? Where did they experiment saying yes? Where did they listen to themselves in a new way? I want to know. You know, we yeah. have a Facebook group in Nisha. Yes, we do. We so do. You can, you can tell us about what boundary you set with who you set it with and how did it go? Yeah, that it, would be awesome. It would have been amazing. So I'm also super excited. So, you know, this is time for the last hurrah. And so the last hurrah originated originally with my super cute niece because when she comes to visit me, she gets one last hurrah. That's how, that's how we end the weekend. Can be anything. Dinner. Maybe a new pair of shoes can be anything. One last row with her auntie die. She's here. Say hi, to hi Anisha. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Did you enjoy Thanksgiving with Auntie Di? I did. The turkey was delicious. Uh, oh, okay, <laughs> Diana. <laughs> you, what, are, what are the three things? Stay safe, wear your mask, and wash your damn hands. <laughs> I told you she had it. Wash your damn hands. <laughs> Stay safe. Wash your damn hands oh. and wear your damn mask. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but with, there we are. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear your damn mask. And in, next week. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to stop here and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.